Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Okay, welcome to another CI for Life podcast. I'm very excited today. I have a special guest in Terry Jones. Uh, Terry, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Rick. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Terry. Terry is the founder of two, not one, $2 billion startups. And I read in your bio, Terry, probably up to 10 different startups, but Kayak and Travelocity were the $2 billion startups. And he's also an author of two books. I've heard him speak personally at a conference. And uh, for the listeners today, we're going to talk a lot about uh, how to be successful in startups and then also innovation and disruption and digitization and all that kind of good stuff. But Terry, before we jump into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history and background? Well, uh, you know, I got a degree in history in college and uh, I thought I was going off to Vietnam and uh, thank God I I got rejected by the draft. Uh, I would have gone if I had to, but I didn't have to. And uh, my roommate in college, dad was a pilot for TWA. So he had a free pass and he said, before I lose that pass, I'm going around the world. So pardon me, three of us went around the world for a year and I came back and loved travel so much. I decided to get in the travel business. So I went to school at night, became a travel agent. And six months into that, my manager said, let's go do a startup. So we did a travel startup focused around Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union, uh, where travel was just starting in the 70s. And that was very successful. We turned into the 50th largest travel company in the U.S. in five years. Along the way, we got computerized. uh, And I got interested in computers, so I jumped to a computer startup for travel. Six months in, that company was sold to American Airlines. So suddenly I was inside a big company, had to wear a suit. Uh, They almost made me shave my beard, which I've had for 50 years. Um, And uh, I climbed the ladder there in marketing and then later in IT, ending up as CIO. Um, When I was chief information officer, one of the things they gave me was a little online product called Easy Saber. Uh, and that was a reservations product on AOL and CompuServe and Prodigy. And first question I asked is, why isn't it on the Internet? Because in 1996, the Internet had just been approved for okay. commerce. So we, that became Travelocity. And eventually I quit my job as CIO and took over Travelocity full time. We took that company public, spun it out from American, uh, took it public for a billion dollars. And uh, I ran that for six years until it was taken private by uh, Sabre. Uh, And then I became a speaker and an author, and I got into venture capital. And the venture capital firm I was working with, uh, I was the travel guy. Uh, We started Kayak.com. And uh, I was chairman there for eight years. We took that public and later sold it to Priceline for $1.8 billion. So that was a great success. I uh, thought I was kind of done with uh, startups and uh, continue my career of speaking and writing. I've written two books uh, on innovation and disruption. Uh, and then I got a call from Ginny Rometty, the chairman of IBM, and she said, uh, I'd like you to come up and teach IBM Watson about travel. Mm. So uh, that was kind of interesting. And that turned into another startup that IBM invested in uh, using AI and travel. Uh, unfortunately, that one didn't succeed. But we learned a lot. I learned about, about AI. Not everything works, even if you've done five startups. Um, I've now served on 19 boards of directors. 
uh, both startups and public companies, uh, and uh, am still pursuing my work in helping companies innovate and avoid disruption. So I love it, and we're gonna. Uh, I know we're gonna talk about innovation and disruption a lot, and uh, but let's back up and if you were to say key success factors for successful startups, I mean, some people get a chance, not necessarily a billion dollar startup, but at successful startups, but rarely two or three, et cetera. So have you been able to crystallize in your mind or in some of your writings, the success factors for creating successful startups? You know, I have a a speech that you can find online. uh, It's called Journey of an Entrepreneur. And I I go through the reasons startups fail uh, and sort of flip that around to success. And, you know, the main reason they fail is there's no market fit. No, nobody really wants what you're talking about. Um, so you have to be so flexible and be able to pivot. You have to have strength of your convictions for a while, but you've seen those people on Shark Tank and all the sharks tell them they're yeah. idiots and they go, no, we're not. <laughs> and usually the sharks are right. Not always, but usually. Um, so you have to have a good market fit. You have to understand how you're going to get customers. And that changed dramatically. You know, Travelocity, in those days, it was radio, TV, and print. Okay. With kayak, it was all search, right? The world changes. Uh, now, today, it's it's even more social, right? So how am I going to drive the customers in to, to understand my product? And, and the best way, of course, is to have a product that's so good, you don't need to advertise like Uber and Tesla, right? Apple. Never seen yeah. a Tesla ad yet. Um, <clears throat> and then you really have to have the right team. Um, that's the most important thing. Don't hire your best friend, hire your best hire the best person. Uh, A players, particularly in technology, are are so much more productive than B players. Our our CTO at Kayak went everywhere in the world to hire the best person he could find. And the last question he asked them was, who's the smartest person you know? And then he'd go hire that person, wherever they were. So, you know, we went public with only 200 people because he had and the CEO had created such a great team. So I think it's about, it's about market fit, it's about understanding how to drive customers in the door. Um, and, and it's about having an awesome team. Obviously, you know, there's there's lots of other things. But, you know, some people start out, well, I, the first thing I have to do is hire a CFO. Well, you don't have any money and you're not making any money. You don't need a CFO to count it. I mean, we we ran Kayak on QuickBooks. In fact, uh, the, the big the big white shoe banks wouldn't take us public. They said, well, you, you have to get a better financial system than QuickBooks. So we bought Oracle Financials and we said in the prospectus, you know, we, we have Oracle Financials. We didn't say that we used it. We said <laughs> that we had it. We didn't need it. It was a simple company. So I mean, focus on what's important. And these days in most little companies, you know, it's, it's you as the leader and then somebody really compliments your skills. The two people we hired at Kayak were a superb leader and marketer and an outstanding CTO. And that's where we began. Yeah, I love those. Two. And as you say, there's lots of points there, but those are two big ones. The customer fit and make sure that you can attract customers and then having the right leadership team and, and not just your friends, but the best leadership team possible. Okay, so you were very successful at uh, identifying uh, trends in uh, the late 90s and early 2000s and, and creating billion-dollar startups. What what do you see? I mean, we've been through this massive uh, change and disruption in 2020, obviously, had, had big health and economic and livelihood impact. 
what do you see going forward as far as some of the big disruption trends or maybe can you pick out one or two? Sure. I mean, my book, Disruption Off, looks at 10 new technologies that are disrupting business. And it discusses, you know, how to how to deploy them because, you know, disruption and innovation are two sides of the same coin. It's only a disruption if you didn't do it. Right? Right. If you did it, it's an innovation. So uh, if you deploy them, they're not. So I, I really think that AI uh, is going to be probably the biggest disruptor, coupled, of course, with big data. Uh, secondly, I think I think 5G connectivity, because every time at Travelocity and Kayak, we saw a turn of the crank on speed, we saw more business. So right? huh. uh, in e-commerce, in the e-commerce world, in the online world, more speed equals more innovation and more business. Uh, and, and really, the other two that are key, and there are lots more, are, are the Internet of Things, because uh, IoT is going to replace, you know, many jobs and allow us to sense things that, that we could never figure out before. And, and that's coupled with 5G, of course. And, and finally, 3D printing, additive manufacturing, I think is going to dramatically shift uh, the way we manufacture goods. So if you look at how those are being deployed today, um, and then now think about the addition of 5G so we get much more speed and, the, and using AI to make it smart and the cloud to make it cheap, um, we have all the underpinnings of another very large technological revolution that is going to change the way we do business. And underlying that are new business models that people are coming out with. So whether it's subscriptions, whoever thought we'd subscribe to a razor, not, not that I do yeah. uh, but <laughs> with my beard, but um, outcomes where I sell you an outcome rather than a product, direct to consumer platforms, you know, all of those are being aided and abetted by these new technologies. And you, you couple a new business model with a new technology, you've got, a whole new business line. Yeah, the, even from an investor standpoint, uh, you're getting multiples unseen when you've got AI or big data, or or even uh, any one of these trends uh, that you've talked about. Um, the other uh, comment is 3D printing is interesting. I have a manufacturing background, and one of my neighbors uh, took advantage of COVID. He's a young man, 19 years old, and he. Uh, it invented a clip that helps your uh, mask stay on and then you right. can hang it on your backpack or your belt or whatever. Yep. And it's so, and any 3d prints the thing and it's a simple right. little <laughs> piece of plastic, this 3d printed and it's uh, just the most amazing thing. But even on, even in big companies, you know, GE just got the first jet engine part that is 3d printed approved by the FAA. Now you think about how that was made before. Five subcontractors each made one part of this fuel nozzle, sent it to an assembler. They put it together, put it in a warehouse. Eventually they got the PO. They put it on a ship and a truck and sent it to GE. You drop in one 3D printer, that whole supply chain is gone. Yeah. GE gets a part that's cheaper, lighter, faster. They have no inventory, right? And what happened to that supply chain? The customs broker, the truck driver, the ship, the warehouse, gone. So you, you think about you know, they, they, and they say 3D printers are slow. The answer is they only have to be faster than the boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, really good point. And in supply chain is one of those areas. And this is out of COVID that. Yeah. Uh, and, and you could argue for Boeing and many others that it was always the bottleneck. Uh, but yeah, if you can speed up the supply chain and yeah, if you don't have one. 
Right. Right. And, and and your pace of innovation is, you know, I can I can do the prototype overnight. And that also allows people, you know, one of the biggest problems large companies have is failure to take risk. Because you and I talked before the show about how businesses get ossified and structured and they don't change. And they don't want to take big risks. Well, you can take a small risk with a 3D printer. You can try something out. Yeah. Right? Look at it. Show it, show it to your internal customer. They like it. Show it to outside customers. Let's go. Let's build it, right? You can do the same thing with AI. And if you couple AI with 3D printers, you can do a 1,000 iterations, right? Um, GM did a 1,000 iterations of a seat bracket to come up with the right one. It looks like a Klingon warship, but it is 50% lighter and 20% stronger than the old one. Well, they couldn't have done that by hand, right? No. They, they wouldn't have spent the time. So uh, these combinations allow you to take risk and fail small and fail fast. And that's so important in large corporations because the risk just gets driven out of us. Yeah, I'm really glad. And I hope our listeners, you know, whether you're a small business, medium or large, are thinking through these four or five disruptors, you know, because many people think, well, I missed the Internet. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos and uh, Terry John, I missed, you know, uh, automating and putting right. online my service. But as you said, there's this four or five business trends coming. And I uh, hope even if you're a small business, as you you should think through these disruptors and say, how can I be ahead of that versus, you know, react to it? So I, I appreciate your heads up there, Terry. Um, the other thought I, I really wanted to pick your brain on is what and that is you raised the topic. We've got these uh, medium and large companies that are just so hard to change. Everybody, if you talk to every C-suite executive, they want innovation. They want a culture of innovation. Can you highlight a couple of things that may help create the culture of sure. innovation? Well, you know, the, the two most important things in my book on innovation that I talk about are culture and team. And I think the most important part of the culture we just talked about. And that's a culture of experimentation and risk. And yeah. the problem that CEOs have is, is they have this thing called the bozone layer. It's, it's not the ozone layer. It's these layer of bozos, the middle managers who won't change. It's really not their fault. They're not rewarded for risk. So what CEOs have to do is reach down in the organization and say, this is Barbara's uh, project. It was terrific. And this was Bob's project. And it failed. And we're giving Bob another chance. Because around here, we kill projects, not people. And as soon as people understand that the idea failed, I didn't fail, and right. I'm not going to get sent off to the Nome Alaska division, pardons to Nome, um, you know, uh, then innovation will flourish because the best ideas in the company come from the bottom, comes from customer service, comes from sales, comes from the guys in maintenance who are fixing the machine. But you have to listen to them, and those ideas have to filter up. Yeah, They have to be circulated widely to get around the naysayers. So that's really the most important thing is to build a culture of experimentation. Shell, for example, has an internal Kickstarter. So if you have an idea and you can't get it past your boss, you can go to internal Kickstarter, and if they like it, they'll fund it uh, because they know they have these barriers inside a huge corporation. Um you know, it's all about tone from the top that the CEO wants innovation, uh, but it's also about breaking down the barriers that get in, in the way. Jeff Bezos said, even well, even well-meaning gatekeepers kill innovation. So we have to get around those gatekeepers. It's the most important part of the culture. 
Yeah, I, I just uh, share a story and, and I think you'll resonate with it and reinforce your point there. I went to a Jack Welsh, Stephen Covey workshop one year and we had a breakfast and paid for some of our clients to come. And there were some American Airline executives there, by the way. And um, one of the things I'll never forget, it was an open Q&A at breakfast with Jack Welsh. And he says, you know, everyone talked to him. Well, how do you how do you get this innovation? How did you get Six Sigma? How did you get all these new initiatives off? Uh, to create a successful company uh, as GE. And he talked about, I, I shine a line of light on what I want. And it was as simple as that. If I want innovation, yeah. if I want change, if great. I, I shine a light, I reinforce it, I make sure there's gonna not- write that down. Huh? What's that? <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was an incredible experience to hear from, you know, he- and of course, he's talking about trips to Disneyland for those that were successful or not successful, but went through the pro- right process and gates and steps. But, you know, even in small business, you can you can do other things to reinforce the right risk taking as long as, you know, it's sensible and, and um, following the you know business processes. But, oh, yeah. sure. And, and look, you have to understand in, in any business, you don't always know how to do what you want to get done. Yeah. Um, I live in a small town in, in Nevada, up on Lake Tahoe, and our insurance guy here, big big guy in town, everybody knows him. He, about five years ago, he said to me, I was speaking at, a, at an event for him, and he said, you know, I really realized recently that I don't know anything about social media and, and YouTube, but I know other insurance comp- brokers are doing that. And he decided to hire his kids to do that because he said, I don't know how to do it, but I know I have to do it. And they understand it. So his daughter runs social media and, and all his web presence for him and they're doing terrific. So you don't have to understand 3d printing. You just have to reach out and say, well, I'm going to hire somebody who does hopefully somebody a lot younger than you who will argue with you. You don't, you know, William Wrigley said, if two people in business always agree, one of them is irrelevant. Right. <laughs> you don't want you don't need people to agree with you. You need people to push you to do yeah. something different. Yeah. No, really good advice. I really appreciate the conversation today. So any other advice, Terry, uh, before, before we close up and I ask you to share some of your details with the listeners, any other advice more specifically to small business people that are trying to innovate and get ahead of some of this? Dis- well, uh, I, I think you know, my, my book talks about how do you deal with all this new technology? And, it, and it's really, we've talked about the key points. It's experiment, take some risk, particularly now, because many of the things that have changed in COVID aren't going back. 40% of customers have moved to a new brand or a new way of shopping. You have to recognize that. They're not going yep. back. Yep. You know, uh, curbside delivery isn't going away. Uh, these things have changed permanently. So get with those trends. And be curious. Read about what's happening in other industries, not your own, and say, well, look at what GE's doing with 3D printing and, and look at what's happening in robotics and, and farming. And how can I use these some of these things, even in my small business, to change what I'm doing? Or I never got online. I better get online. You know, take some risks because your business will not be the same. Um, you know, if you're, if you're 60, you might make it to 65, but if you're 45... It ain't gonna happen. No, no, that's real, and I love the curious part of it. You know, in every conversation that you're having, and notice it in other industries. That's very good. 
Terry, really appreciate your time today. Uh, why don't you tell folks where they can find you for speaking or your books, et cetera? Sure. I have two books uh, on innovation and disruption off. Uh, innovation book explains itself, disruption we've talked about. Uh, they're both available on Amazon.com in uh, physical, Kindle, and uh, audiobooks. Uh, and you can reach out to me at tbjones.com. That's T as in Tom, B as in boy, jones.com. I've got lots of videos there. Uh, I am a full-time professional speaker and uh, doing it virtually now. I did 45 virtual speeches last year. I've got a studio here in my house. Yeah. Um, so I can, I can reach out and be in your group and innovate them, uh, talk to them about innovation and disruption, uh, and you can learn all about it at tbjones.com. Terry, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Take care. Thanks, Rick. All right. This has been another CI for Life production. Until next time, live a life of sustainable, continuous improvement. Goodbye. <laughs>